Hey, welcome to the BizCast. I'm Alex Page Hatley. And I'm Shannon King. Shannon, today we're talking about a four-letter word. Actually, two four-letter words. Actually, a four-letter word and a four-letter acronym. Paid FMLA. Okay, I thought you were going to go somewhere else with that. (laughs) I thought you might. (laughs) So, to employees like you and me, this sounds like a really good thing, right? Yeah. So for half a percent of your, of each paycheck, um, you're going to get 12 to 14 weeks, um, of up to 95% of your pay, um, for your own illness, uh, maternity leave or, uh, an illness of a family member close to you. So, I mean, that sounds really good. So I'm paying what a couple dollars a paycheck and I could possibly get my, almost all my pay for those that time. Yeah. I mean, that sounds awesome, but for businesses, this is not such an awesome thing. And in fact, it's kind of creating a stressful situation for them. Yeah, it is. So this plan won't go into effect um, for another two years. It's going to start collecting money. The payroll tax is going to kick in uh, in 2021 and the payouts won't begin until 2022. Um, But businesses are already getting pretty nervous about uh, this new law. So we actually just surveyed our members about it um, earlier this summer. And 77% of them said that the new paid FMLA law is going to have a negative impact on their business. This is one of the things that our staff uh, fought really hard against at the Capitol, right? Our lobbying team worked really hard this past session to make sure that this law um, wouldn't have Uh, an even bigger effect on businesses than it will. My name is Eric Getty. I'm the Vice President of Government Affairs for CBIA, the Connecticut Business and Industry Association. Eric is no stranger to paid FMLA legislation. Well, we've been leading the coalition against this for a number of years, as I said, and um, it would absolutely have been much worse had it not been for the efforts of not just us, but, uh, you know, our, our allies uh, at the, up at the state capitol. Um, for one, we convinced a number of moderates, uh, moderate, uh, particularly House members, to vote against their party's number one priority. And in, in, in actually throughout the legislative session and committees, a number of them were willing to raise their voice and say they had concerns. And that really helped make a lot of the changes changes that we were looking for possible. I think we should go cautiously to make sure that all the concerns that are raised uh, do get addressed because they are concerns. That's Senator Carlo Leone, representing parts of Darien and Stamford. He spoke at an April 15th Finance, Revenue and Bonding Committee meeting to discuss Senate Bill 1, which proposed the paid FMLA law. Um, They may not be concerns in every district, but there's enough districts out there that the concerns are relevant. Um, They're real, and I'm hearing from them in my district, especially from the smaller business community. And the size of the employer to the employee, I think, is a critical issue. And if we're talking about trying to be helpful to small business, we need to make sure that they can stay in business, that they can afford to stay in business, and that the employee that works for them um, is not contributing too much of their pay into this new fund if they wanted to participate. I'm sitting here asking, does anybody know how many people used FMLA in last year? And nobody in this room can answer that. That's terrible. We should all be ashamed of ourselves. That's freshman representative Joe Zullo, who represents East Haven, expressing his concerns about the legislation. We should know every stat. We should be able to back into that half a percent payroll deduction and say, well, it's based on this. It's based on this is how many people needed to use it. 
This is their average amount of time they used it, and this is why it makes sense. We can't do that here. We're supposed to be confining our, our comments to financial considerations. That should be the biggest financial consideration we should be talking about, and nobody can answer that question. I want to be able to say yes to something like this. There's no reason why we can't come up with a solution. So obviously lawmakers had some concerns about this before it even passed. We asked Eric if anything was done to address those concerns. Yeah, this new program, it, it will be a significant change from what employers are used to uh, right now. Uh, so beginning in January 1 of 2021, um, every employee in the state of Connecticut are going to see a reduction in their wages. They're going to have to pay one half of 1% of their wages uh, into this new state program. And then commencing one year later, January 1 of 2022, they will be eligible for a new paid family and medical leave benefit. Uh, this will allow them to take uh, up to 12 to 14 weeks uh, of, of leave per year uh, at 95% of their pay, capped at 60 times the minimum wage. So when the minimum wage gets to be $15 an hour, it will be capped at $900 a week. And then employers are also going to see uh, some, some significant difference. Um, they are going to have to continue to pay uh, employees for benefits, employees who are out on leave for up to three months every single year. And they're also going to have to get used to uh, what could at some point become a continuously uh, shifting workforce as people are taking this leave to care for their own or a family member or those equivalent to a family member's uh, illness. Uh, hello, my name is Mark Soitra. I'm Human Resource Counsel at CBIA, and in that capacity, I advise member companies on new laws. While Eric Getty headed the legislative fight at the state capitol, Mark Soitra is prepping to help businesses adjust to the new program. As the Department of Labor drafts the details of the program, Mark tells us what business owners are already worried about. A lot of head scratching, head banging, and, and, and stressing in uh, trying to figure out what's happening and why is this happening to them and how are they going to survive. Uh, and and, it, and it, it is causing a lot of companies a lot of agita. Uh, the, the fortunate aspect of it is that the law doesn't really have any operational responsibilities for some time. So there is time for employers to educate themselves with our assistance and, and others and, and the government's assistance uh, to figure it all out. But ultimately, it is going to be a game changer of sorts for a lot of companies. Connecticut became one of eight states that has paid family and medical leave. How does Connecticut's law differ? Well, for one, um, the 95% wage replacement rate that we just talked about, um, that is much higher in Connecticut than in any other state that offers a paid family medical leave program. And there's really only a handful of states that have uh, made this leap to, to require this new mandate upon employers. Uh, now, typically, uh, most of the other states uh, offer about a 60 to 70, maybe a little bit higher, 75% wage replacement rate. And the reason is, you know, they want to provide this, this benefit to you, uh, or I guess they're required to provide a benefit to you, but they don't want to incentivize you to take a longer period of time out of the workforce than you actually need, because that's what's going to lead to abuse. Um, another difference is that you are allowed under this new program to take leave for uh, uh, not only your own illness, but a family member's illness, and then uh, what people who are equivalent to that of a family member. Now, I, I don't really know what that means, and in fact, nobody knows what that means yet. Uh, one of the key tasks of the Labor Department is going to def be defined what is equivalent to that of a family member, because right now it, it's very unclear under the law. 
And then um, finally, one of the key differences in Connecticut uh, is that you will be able to use this leave uh, not only if you have a job, but if you've had a job within the last 12 weeks. So you may not even be working anymore, and yet you could qualify for paid family medical leave up to 12 weeks after your last job. I don't know any other state that that offers that. In fact, you would think to yourself, um, you know, I, they're already offered unemployment compensation. Now they can't collect both at the same time, but they're not in the workforce. So what more leave could they they need. I mean, they are there to take care of any family members or their own illnesses at any point in time. As with other types of leave, business owners are concerned about the fraud or misuse of the new paid FMLA program. The law does have some uh, fraud references that say if someone commits fraud in presenting documentation to get pay for a time off, they can suffer some significant penalties having to repay and then um, I think uh, being barred from the program for a year or something like that, uh, but they'll still have deductions taken from their paychecks nonetheless. I, I hear complaints all the time. Uh, sometimes it's not abuses. Sometimes it's merely employers' lack of patience and understandable lack of patience in trying to run their business with people coming and going. This new law will implement or, or follow through with the same documentation standards that exist under the current law. Uh, it's just that many times the documentation will be coming not from the employee's doctor. So the employer is saying, well, you don't look sick. You're not limping. You're not missing time off because of your own ailments. With increasingly complex laws comes increased administrative burden. Who will keep track of all this leave? And who will keep track of doctor's notes from other people's doctors? Small businesses are struggling with this question. Eric recalled one difficult conversation he had with a small business owner. I can remember, um, I wasn't even actually at work that day, but I did take a call from a small business owner just a couple days after the legislative session ended. He had just read the bill, he had read our update about this, and. I mean, this man, he, you know, he had, he had a business with six employees. He was absolutely devastated by this. And it was, it really bothered me after the call uh, to just to listen to this. You know, he, he was just saying, look, I have, I have another branch in Florida. I just don't even know how I can do this with, you know, if I had one or, or more of my employees out every single year up to 12 weeks, he's like, I, I can't keep the doors open. He's like, I have no choice, Eric. I really am going to have to start shifting my employees to my Florida office and, and, and not have a Connecticut office. And that that's the type of call that really bothers me whenever one of these things passes and we try so hard to fight it and we are you know ignored in many ways and it and, and moves forward. Um, you know, that, that's a Connecticut business that we've lost that we will probably never get back. And what I'm worried about is as we get closer to full implementation of this program, I'm going to get more and more calls like that. And, and, and that's, that's not the call that I want to hear ever. Mark Soicher, on the other hand, is most concerned about how long this program is actually going to be in place. I'm, I'm skeptical that the funding is going to be enough to cover the actual costs of the program both overhead costs as well as benefit payouts. Uh, the law does allow the, uh, the paid family medical leave insurance authority to reduce benefits if there's not enough money coming in. They're capped at the half a percent deduction from payroll at this point. Uh, one of the fears I have is that at some point uh, 
They, they return to the legislature to seek employer funding for uh, these benefits in order to sustain the level of income for employees. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's, there's just so much employers can do to stay in this state. Uh, this is a movement that's been debated throughout the country. There are other states uh, that have adopted these programs. In some cases, they've passed these laws and then had to delay implementing it because they don't have the structure, the money. The more that Connecticut runs out ahead of the pack uh, on, on these types of programs among other states, makes those other states more attractive sometimes to do business. And, and we can't afford to lose businesses in Connecticut. With over a year before the paid FMLA law goes into effect, now is the time for business owners to educate themselves. Keep up to date on the law at CBIA.com. While the program's details are being fleshed out at the Department of Labor, now is the time to take a fresh look at your current leave and time off policies to see if they can still be administered under the new law. Smaller companies should look into how to best adjust to absences in the workplace, such as cross-training or finding temporary workers. For more information on the paid FMLA law, visit CBIA.com. Or if you're a CBIA member, you can call the HR hotline and talk to Mark Soicher, who you heard here on the podcast. The number for that is 860-244-1900. And did I mention it's free? So, Shannon, now that we've heard from everybody about this law, do you do you believe me that FMLA is a four-letter word? Faux show. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. And we hope you'll join us for episode three next week.